Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Overdraft fees are just the worst. Get up to $200 in fee-free overdraft with a Chime checking account. Sign up today at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Another world. Another time. In the age of wonder. There was once a dream. You could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper. And it would vanish. A battle between good and evil. You don't know the power of the dark side. Where shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level? Try the local sewer. You know of the rebellion against the Empire? The Avengers, Earth's mightiest heroes. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. One of these days, I'm going to have a stick of my own. I'm Groot. Welcome to the Neverland Podcast. The podcast for lovers of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Please welcome your host, Jeremy. I thought he'd be taller. Yeah, I can fly. All it takes is faith and trust. Well, if it isn't the Star Spangled Man with a plan, what is your plan today? Up to Neverland! <laughs> Take your pixie out of your pockets, Neverlanders, and come ride with me, your spider pan, Jeremy, on another flight to Neverland. We have got a lot of stuff to talk about really quick. I've got a great conversation coming up with Brian Summer. You're going to enjoy it. Many of you will perhaps know his name right from my setting. Others of you will recognize his voice as soon as you hear him talk, especially if you listen to a lot of different Disney podcasts. But other than that, there is all kinds of interesting Disney news and also some video game news this week. And we might as well just dive right in and get right to it. Spanning the Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. Well, if you happen to live in Hong Kong, I hope you're making a trip to Disneyland because the Iron Man experience opened on Tuesday. How cool is that? 
And so now you can join Tony Stark as Iron Man and fight Hydra in a very cool ride that I'm waiting to see some video on. I'm sure somebody's got some video of it somewhere that they're going to be sharing, and I'm going to be keeping an eye on it. If I find some, I will, of course, share it to our Twitter feed, our Facebook group, our Facebook fan page, and probably my own feed as well. Uh, but I have a quote here from the chairman of Walt Disney Parks and Resorts, Bob Chapek, or Chapek. I'm not sure how to say that. But he says, we are always pushing the boundaries of creativity and innovation so that our guests can step into the magical worlds of their favorite stories and meet their most beloved characters. We're thrilled to be adding the high-tech, action-packed universe of Marvel to Hong Kong Disneyland, and we'll continue building on it as we move into the next phase of expansion. Now, this is very cool, and this is, yes, the beginning of Marvel having a ride inside of one of the parks. Uh, I'm hoping to see more. I don't think we're ever going to get to see anything in Orlando because Universal's not letting go of that property anytime soon. But if you're looking for some other type of uh, Disney outside uh, outside of the regular Disney World uh, type of entertainment, Star Wars Galactic Nights has been uh, announced. Uh, and this is going to be where you get to come dressed as your favorite character. It's specially ticketed, family-friendly event, obviously, because it's Disney, with a unique Star Wars experiences. There's going to be attractions available all night long. How cool is this? And you're going to, of course, be around Disney's Hollywood Studios. And some people I know, they don't consider that to be a full-day type of park. But I really enjoyed it when I was there. Uh, there's going to be live shows at the Star Wars Theater. A talk show, of course, with a cast and crew. Uh... There's going to be, of course, some new and classic characters out there. For you can do some photo ops, some meet and greets, and stuff like that. A scavenger hunt, a, uh, a Rebel Base Galactus Night event hub. Lots of fun photo background, background type of things where you can take some photos inside of a scene from the film. This is going to be a lot of fun. This is a ticketed event. Star Wars event admission starting at $129 per ticket. So get ready to shell out some money, and I, I tell you what, if I was paying that much for it, I would make sure I spent the entire night there and got as much fun out of it as I possibly can. This is definitely a must-do for any Star Wars fan that's in the area or if you're planning uh, to be there during the time. Uh, I have not found a specific date, however, for this event. It's not on the blog page anywhere, uh, but it's coming soon, and uh, as soon as I hear some more about it and get like a specific date going on, uh, I will let you know, but I, I haven't found anything. Uh, all right, so but also going on, this started actually on uh, on Friday, or I guess actually thirteenth. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, Friday, and it's running through February twentieth. This is uh, going to be the Epcot International Festival of the Arts. Uh, this is sort of a big deal. Uh, this is going to have uh, some perform, you know, basically a lot of performing arts from the Disney theatrical productions. There's going to be some new artwork each week. That's going to be some cele- celebrated work, really, by Disney historical artists like Mary Blair and Herb Ryman. And also, there's going to be some art being created live. Uh, Joe Kaminsky and Costa Alavezos is going to be there. Uh, the performances uh, for the performing arts will be from 5:30 or at 5:30, 6:45, and 8 o'clock. Friday through Monday is the funny thing that it says. So I guess it's mainly over the weekends. Uh, you would think they'd do it throughout the uh, the week. But yes, it looks like it's mainly going to be on the weekends. But this is going on, like I said, January 13th through February 20th. It's pretty much Festival of the Arts weekends. <laughs> you know, So definitely go and check it out if you're uh, in the area or if you plan on being down there uh, within this month or February. It gives me a new excuse to go to Epcot. While you're there, though... Uh, and Walt Disney World, they uh, have some recommendations actually on the Disney Parks blog for Valentine's Day. 
looking for a good restaurant, and they are looking at uh, Pacific Northwest type of style at Artist Point at the Wilderness Lodge. Uh, there's a special sweetheart dinner menu that's going to be available on February 14th and features five courses for $75, and you can add a wine pairing for an additional $25. So... Five courses for $100 if you want your wine with it. Uh, at the Disney Animal Kingdom Lodge, Jico, the cooking place is going to offer a Valentine's Day dessert before or after the dinner. So if you want to have your dessert before dinner, that's fine. Uh, you can also, of course, see all the animals out on the savanna and the Arusha Rock Savanna Overlook. Or you can just cozy around the fire pit. Uh, there is also at the Hollywood Brown Derby. You can take in a Golden Age of Hollywood, of course. Uh, I don't have any specific deals that they're talking about, but they're just saying it's a really good, fun atmosphere. Uh, there's also at the at Disney's Boardwalk, the newly reimagined Flying Fish that they're recommending. Extra points if you stop for a post-dinner cocktail at the Abracadabra Bar, as it says here on the park's blog. But uh, no specific menu items being put out there. But that would be a fun yet expensive dinner. <laughs> but if you're going to have dinner there on Disney Park property, you should expect you're going to have to shell it out. Uh, also, this was kind of interesting. This was uh, announced on Wednesday that there's going to be some additional Fast Pass locations uh, over in the Disneyland Resort, uh, and also something called a Disney Max Pass. And you already know about Fast Pass. That's one of the things that's been going on in Walt Disney World. Uh, and well, heck, it wasn't going to Disneyland, you know, where you'd have your ticket and your Fast Pass, you know, and you, now you've got your Magic Band to go on that. Uh, and they've expanded that to uh, Toy Story Mania and the Disney California Adventure and the Matterhorn Bobsled in Disneyland. So there's going to be some Fast Pass stuff going on in there, some new places. Um, and I, I don't know if they're moving on to the point where you're going to have a Magic Band over there yet, but there's going to be kiosks available for Fast Pass, uh, so you can go and get your Fast Pass for whatever ride if you're going in there. Uh, and later this year, the, the Disney Max Pass is going to allow guests to maximize the experience that's going to provide unlimited downloads of the high-resolution photo pass images and an AOL convenience of mobile booking and redemption of a Disney Fast Pass return time, all by using the Disneyland app. This is going to be at an introductory price of $10 a day. Not bad. Uh, of course, Disney Resort annual pass holders will also have the opportunity to purchase Disney Max Pass on a daily or yearly basis. So it's very cool. It gives you more access to the really cool photos that you get. Um, another event coming up here, actually, on January the 22nd. It's Rock the... They're calling this... A, it's a hashtag Rock the Dots. I guess they want you to talk about this. But this is a Minnie Mouse type of thing for National Polka Dot Day on January the 22nd. Uh, so... Over at Disney Springs, Walt Disney World Resort, Downtown Disney District, and Disneyland Resort is going to be having a signature style global icon of Minnie Mouse. They're going to have spots on there, and you're invited to join the polka-dotted fun. Uh, so January 22nd, they want you to dress in your polka-dotted finest and join in the celebration at Disney Springs or Downtown Disney. And, of course, hashtag rock the dots. Take some pictures, I figure, in your uh, in your polka dots and your mini ears and stuff like that. And we're going to just celebrate Minnie Mouse, which, why not, because it's fun. Alrighty. Also, if you need a little bit more fun on Star Wars and you're planning on taking a cruise on a, on a Disney cruise line uh, somewhere around early 2018, the Disney Fantasy going on the Caribbean is going to be having Star Wars Day at Sea. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a 15 sailings, so you're going to have to go and make sure you get in uh, pretty quick. Uh, it's going to be January through April next year. Uh, the event's going to feature full days of Star Wars celebrations. Uh, there's going to be a dick party with extraordinary fireworks, uh, encounters from the galaxy's most formidable and heroic characters, Star Wars-themed family and youth activities, food and beverage offering, offerings, merchandise. Uh, the of cruises are going to depart January 6th, the 20th, February 3rd and 17th, March 3rd, 
17th, 31st, April 14th, and all going to Western uh, Caribbean. This is going to be Cozumel, Mexico, Mexico, Falmouth. Well, I never say that. It looks like Falmouth, but it's Falmouth. I don't know. Jamaica, Grand Cayman, and Castaway Key. Uh, there's also going to be some departures January 13th, 27th, February 10th and 24th, March 10th and 24th, April 7th, and that's going to the Eastern Caribbean, and that's going to include Tortolo, St. Thomas, and, of course, Castaway Key. Uh, so you better start booking pretty quick, because they're actually going to show Rogue One on the big screen at the Walt Disney Theater. Uh, make sure you, of course, get to meet all the characters on there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, definitely start booking your cruise now. All right, now jumping outside of the world of Disney, just something I wanted to talk about. Uh, I started seeing a lot of stuff posted this week. There was an event, apparently in New York, where Nintendo showed the Switch, which is their new console, which has handheld capabilities. I mean, this this kind of replaces about everything they've got, and they've, they've really kind of ruled the market in handheld, but now you've got like a handheld device and a little screen that it is part of your console. It's pretty cool, really, uh, and it's going to be available March 3rd, uh, right now, the, the price on it is $299.99. Uh, you can pre-order it at nintendo.com slash switch. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the things I saw this week. I did look at uh, there's some video from Mario Kart Deluxe. Uh, very much your standard Mario Kart. Looks like it's going to be fun. I haven't played a good Mario Kart game in a long time because I, I don't pay a, buy a lot of Nintendo stuff. And also, their licensed character stuff, uh, they really jack the price up. Uh, kind of like um, our, our Disney friends. Huh. Whenever you got something with Mickey's face on it, it always costs more, doesn't it? Uh, but anything with Mario on it is going to cost you more than the average game. It's pretty standard. Uh, Mario Kart does look interesting. I gotta definitely say something though. This there's Super Mario Odyssey, and uh, this apparently is sort of a sandbox. Now I don't know. If, by sandbox, I always think of you know Disney Infinity. It's supposed to be like a sandbox where you can create your own games and levels and worlds. So I don't know if that's what they mean when I've heard this referred to as a sandbox. One thing I have found interesting is we see Mario running around a city, which I'm guessing could be like New York. But here's the, what I thought was funny when watching some videos of this is he comes up about to the waist of what's supposed to be full-grown adult women. So I guess they've now confirmed that Mario is a little person about three foot tall. <laughs> so uh, you can play with Mario in a more realistic environment. Uh, the weird thing is that some of the characters he's wandering around are very normal-looking humans, and then Mario just kind of looks like Mario. He's a bit cartoonish. Uh, but this looked to be very, very cool, and of course... You know the new standard of Mario games. Uh, it's something I would be—I would probably be interested in playing with because it looks like it's fun. I haven't really played a Mario game in a long time either. Something else, though, I've—I've you know, I've been getting a look at this for a while because I've been paying attention. Uh, I, although I've never beaten Legend of Zelda: Skyward Sword, uh, I really should sit down on that. <laughs> but there was some footage for the Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. And it really does look pretty spectacular with the environments and some of the monsters and kind of a more. Um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Steampunk uh, type of villains. Uh, very, very cool looking. Uh, and this, I mean, you're going to have a complete free-roaming environment, and you can actually go after the dungeons in the game in any order that you choose. The one thing that I would kind of make a complaint about is I'm, I'm not a fan of the cell-shaded characters. Um, I really didn't like it even in The Wind Waker with the whole cell-shaded style. It, I don't know. It was it, It's... 
it makes everything kind of look like a cartoon, and it's okay, I guess, if you do the entire game in that cel-shaded style. I mean, that, that kind of worked for Wind Waker. I didn't think it was a very good game overall. But when you have a realistic environment and your characters, though, look like cartoons. They're, they're three-dimensional, um, they're, but they're, they look like they're hand-drawn three-dimensional. You know what I mean? It's really hard to explain it, but, but you know, cell shading is where everything has that nice, clean, sort of almost lack of texture kind of cartoon character. It looks like anime characters. And when you have this very realistic environment, and I know some people, this is their problem they had with The Good Dinosaur, is that... Despite everything looking very real, the characters in The Good Dinosaur, you know, were still kind of cartoony, but their textures were real. I mean, they had big cartoon eyes and stuff like that. This, though, the characters just look like they're drawn in, except for they do have some three-dimensional quality to them. But they look like they're drawn and animated into a real environment. And, it, you know, it worked for Roger Rabbit, but it doesn't work for The Legend of Zelda. I'm sorry, I'm not feeling it. That doesn't mean that I wouldn't play it, given the opportunity. But I I know, I'm just not liking the look of it, to tell you the truth. Uh, There's also some other announcements of uh, Splatoon 2, which I've never played the original Splatoon. Uh, Something called Fire Emblem Warriors and Xenoblade Chronicles 2. A lot of stuff really coming out for this thing, and uh, I'm I'm pretty sure it's going to be a big seller. I'm still very much interested in getting the... uh, the mini retro console. I don't know. I don't remember what they called it, but you know, the little miniature one. Uh, I would be interested in, in getting one of those. I, I, I have not gotten an opportunity. I have not even seen them anywhere. As soon as they released, they were already sold out. Uh, and I have heard rumors that because it has gone so well, that they may release some other. Uh, and I've heard, of course, that they may actually release a version of Super Nintendo games in the same format. And I've also seen, if you do a little searching online, there is a way you can download a few ROMs uh, from your computer and put them, you know, onto your Nintendo by hooking things together. And, you know, of course, if you don't know about ROMs and emulators, I'm not going to tell you here because that's something you should Google and not have me tell you because um, you're really not supposed to do it unless you actually own a copy of the game. Uh, we'll just put it like that. But it is possible to get more games onto that little hard drive. We'll just put it like that. Mama! The Neverland Trailer Park. I want adventure in the great white somewhere. Hello? I wanted more than I can tell. Come into the light. <gasps> For once it might be grand. What if she is the one? To have someone understand. Pleased to meet you. I want so much more than they've got planned. Disney's Beauty and the Beast, rated PG. Yes, that was Emma Watson you just heard singing. This was a uh, just a TV spot for Beauty and the Beast. Uh, there's been a lot of stuff about TV spots I've been seeing here lately where you're getting to finally hear Emma Watson sing. And she's not bad. She's doing pretty good. I'm I'm pretty well impressed. I, I think you know I that's the only part of what, what uh, the character of Belle that I wasn't sure what she could do with it. I knew she was taking some vocal training to try to be better at it because it was going to be a singing part. Uh, her as an actress, I thought this was a great role for her, but I wasn't sure. You know, I've never heard her sing, so I had no idea what to expect. And now we get to hear a little bit of it in this TV spot, and I must say. Very well done. Uh, I'm still, of course, eager and excited. Uh, one, probably, definitely, my favorite animated Disney movie being brought in, brought to life here. So I have high expectations. I also have high expectations as far as you must meet the certain criteria, or I'm going to be disappointed. You know, 
it's fandom. That's the way we are. Never be the racer you once were. Accept it. Will Lightning McQueen retire? I decide when I'm done. Jackson Storm is part of the next generation of high-tech racers. Win number three for the rookie sensation. You'll never be as fast, but you can be smarter. You need my help, Mr. McQueen. Coming for you, Storm. Unbelievable! All right, so they gave us a bit of an extended look at Cars 3. And of course, we knew about the accident, and you heard that audio at first, which, you know, I don't believe I played that audio before because it's, you know, not a whole lot to it going on a whole lot of dialogue but now we've got to hear but there is a, a new car coming out there that's faster than lightning mcqueen and uh, when you see this i gotta say this looks like pixar has made a rocky movie uh somewhere in between rocky 3 and rocky 4 where because the this this opponent of his it reminds me of rocky 4 where he's the best technology can build of a human but this is the best technology can build of a car uh, and you have the Rocky Three aspect where, you know, he's he's lost badly to the opponent, and he, he's got to make a comeback and almost retrain and come back newer, stronger, and stuff like that. So it's like Rocky Three and Rocky Four got together and made a Cars movie. Um, not to say that that's a bad thing, I guess. I mean, it looks. I'm still interested in seeing this. Uh, it looks like it might be a bit different, maybe a little bit darker. But you know, we haven't gotten a, a a huge look at everything right now. So I mean, we might find some stuff to say. Yep, it's just another Cars movie. But so far, it really reminds me of Rocky movie. And uh, like I said, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Rapunzel, Rapunzel, Rapunzel. You know her name. Think you can keep up? Ooh. And coming to Disney Channel, one unforgettable night. What are they? Will change the Rapunzel you know again. Whoa. What? Did you see the 70 feet of my father's going to kill me growing from my head? Get ready for the new Disney Channel original movie, Tangled Before Ever After. So what do we want to do here? Maybe a bob? Just cut it. Uh-oh. There shouldn't be any uh-ohs. Uh-oh. Starring Rapunzel, yeah. Eugene, Pascal, Maximus, oh. and of course... <gasps> Surprise! The hair. I won't ask how it grew back. I'm sure there's a reasonable explanation that you'll share when you're ready. Thank you for understanding. Oh, come on, really? You gotta be here for the hair-raising. Can't-miss movie event, Tangled Before Ever After. The start of the new series, Tangled, coming to Disney Channel. And finally, this was a short look at an upcoming made-for-TV series premiere launch movie, Tangled Before Ever After. 
looks fun. I, I, I'm a big fan of Tangled. I really liked it. And so seeing, you know, this now the animated form and having the voices back, I am, well, of course it was animated before, but I mean, this was more to look hand-drawn, although you can tell it's still done in a computer, but it has the hand-drawn look of things. Uh, I'm very excited for this. Uh, I didn't at any point find when this is premiering, though. I just I've, This ad has just come out for Disney XD uh, and the Disney Channel. So you know, keep your eyes open for this commercial. Eventually, they're going to have to tell us when they're going to air the thing. I'll keep an eye out for you, and I will let you know if I learn anything because I do plan on watching in DVR, and uh, I'll probably check out this series because I think it looks like a whole lot of fun. To Disney and beyond. All right, Neverlanders, if you listen to any sort of Disney podcast, you've probably heard this voice before. (laughs) He's everywhere, and he's a big Disney fan, and he apparently loves Disney podcasts, because if you ask him real nice, he might just help you out. But we have the great Brian Summer. Hello, Brian. And a very good uh, morning on my end and afternoon on your end. Well, yeah, only a minute past noon, so it's... Yeah, we're good. (laughs) And a very icy morning it is over here, which you're lucky you're in California. You didn't get any of this. Yes, indeed. The sun is up. It's a beautiful day here. Yeah, one of these days I'm going to have to move there. (laughs) (laughs) We we welcome you with open arms. If nothing else but to be close to Disneyland or something, you know. Ah, ain't it the truth. That's the park I haven't visited yet. Sure. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, I've only been to Walt Disney World once, so it's it's on the to-do list. We need to take care of that, obviously. Yes, so that's well, we're working on it, but uh, so we'll we'll get in straight in for Disney fandom. Uh, so, what started your overall Disney fandom? Was it were you more of a parks fan or a movie fan? Uh, definitely a parks fan. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm up here in Northern California, so Disneyland is a you know five hour drive or a one hour plane ride, uh, and uh, the family uh, probably from when I was one year old to, well, I don't know, 13, 14, somewhere around there. We went once a year. Uh, that was the family summer vacation. So I was definitely indoctrinated in the Disneyland uh, way early on. Well, that does tend to make an influence. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and once you're a fan, you're always a fan. You bet. You bet. Mm-hmm. So uh, what was it that started you into the acting? Uh, strangely enough, it all started at Disneyland as well. Um, Disneyland, certainly the attractions are chock full of some of the great, uh, voice actors of that era. And, uh, they just took, uh, you know, I just took a liking to them and I was so fascinated by them later on as, as a teenager, when I would go to the park, uh, I would bring along, you know, everybody had their uh, camcorders, you know, those big uh, mobile TV studios that you put up <laughs> on your shoulder, right? And oh, now, yeah. And now everything's done with something the size of a pack of cigarettes, for goodness sake. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be the kid walking around with that camcorder with the lens cap still on it because I wasn't interested in capturing the video. I would take the, the camera and turn it around and, and face it toward the speaker so I could record all of the audio. <laughs> yeah. So everything from the old parking lot tram narration to, you know, Paul Freeze uh, in, well, just about everything at the park. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it was Adventure Through Inner Space that really uh, caught my ear and I was fascinated by it. It was such a great performance, maybe by today's standards a little campy, but 
man, I loved it and I still love listening to it. So I think that probably was the one that got me interested. And then I just started researching it and figuring it. And of course, this is the days before the internet. So if you wanted to research something, you really had to dig for it. Um, yeah, there's something called a library that I hear tell of. True. And, and phones <laughs> with rotary dials and things like Ooh. that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Back in the old days. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was it, and uh, <laughs> I uh, I dabbled with it for many years, and uh, then located uh, right here in the Bay Area. Strangely enough, there's a voiceover academy called Voice Tracks in the city of Sausalito, which is right on the uh, north side of the Golden Gate Bridge. Oh, so uh, you didn't even dive in with stage; you went right in for voice. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and uh, studied there for a couple of years and then was picked up by um, a talent agency in San Francisco. Stars is the name of it. And it's been uh, off to the races since then. So what was the first job you got? My very first job. Oh, boy. Um, my first commercial job uh, was for Comcast, which is the... the uh, um, cable provider uh out here uh my first character job was for a website that i think is now long since gone called fun school uh and it was uh like a kids educational game uh sort of a situation and they had the the two lead characters on that the two hosts were uh, gator and worm uh, gator was an alligator and worm, strangely enough, was a worm. Shocking. <laughs> yes, I know. And I voiced gator. <clears throat> so that was my, that was my first commercial and my first, uh, character gig. So have you developed a preference uh, for video games? Cause I noticed you've got a long list of video games. Yeah, it's probably about, uh, 200 titles somewhere around there these days, as far as video games go, 300 some plus characters, uh, you know, because when you come in and do a video game, you rarely go in and do just one character. Uh, you're always doing a lead or a secondary character and then some ancillary characters as well. Um, but the bad guys have always been my favorites. Disney has some of the best of villains around, and uh, I always enjoyed them. So whenever I get to voice a bad guy, that's that's always a treat because they get the best lines. You get to get away with <laughs> yeah. so much, right? <clears throat> <laughs> Plus, you've got the good deep voice. So you can kind of Darth Vader and be scary. Yeah, it it, it helps out to have the pipes to be sure. Yeah. <laughs> but you also have really good delivery. I mean, uh, with even stuff you've done for me here at Neverland, mm -hmm. uh, just you know, because I, I did see you've got a lot of narration in there, but you've got just this great delivery. I, I don't know how Thank much you. of that is you know was was taught and how much of it you came in with and then just improved on well as far as the announcer type stuff that i do and that's usually what the podcast folks call me for <clears throat> pardon me uh for um intros outros uh, bumpers things like that so that's going to be most folks kind of want that classic uh announcer sound and that influence came directly from jack wagner uh oh yeah <laughs> absolutely i can definitely hear that whenever you've done it i was like you know, but even when I hear some Jack and Wagner recordings, I'm like, are we sure that's not Brian? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that is far too kind of you to say. There was one and only Jack Wagner, and 
I don't know if we'll ever uh, hear his type again, but my goodness, he was fantastic at what he did. He had a wonderful sound to him, uh, you know, an authoritative sound, almost like a fatherly sound, but yet it was very approachable. It was very friendly. So that combination worked out really well uh, for the park, I think. Yeah, and I think that's why uh, uh, probably the first time I heard you where I knew it was you was uh, Window to the Magic when he was doing Secrets of the Hidden Door. Right. And the first time I heard you, I thought, that sounds like the Disneyland voice guy. <laughs> but I was like, and, okay. I had to find out later. No, wait, that's Jack Wagner, and this is Brian Summer. I was like, well, he does sound like him. <laughs> Again, so I wasn't very even kidding. Timely. I mean, it's, <laughs> I wasn't even kidding. I really was thinking for a while, is he, is he the voice of Disneyland now or something? Or is it, no, it's still, you know, playing the Wagner back there. But Absolutely. Yeah, yeah a, a gentleman by the name of Bill Rogers is the current uh, announcer there. Um, mm-hmm. and uh many people have been in between but i think jack is 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 known as the voice of disneyland and he 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 did a such a remarkable job and you know the fact that a lot of his recordings are still there yeah uh, i think owes to uh his his uh, talent to be sure you mentioned secrets of the wooden door it was funny um patrick heard who was a, a longtime contributor to Window to the Magic? Uh, he got a hold of me, or no, I can't remember how exactly it went. Paul Barry, obviously, uh, the creator and host of Window to the Magic, he mentioned that they always did a, a Halloween show. And I said, well, that's that's great, you know, because ho- I'm a big Halloween nut as well. I love Halloween. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to talk about that. Yeah, too. <laughs> true. Um, <laughs> So I said, you know what you guys ought to do is do like an old radio drama, uh, because that's one of the things growing up as a kid, listening to those radio dramas that also uh, got me into the business. And I said, well, you guys ought to do like a scary radio drama. And, he's, and Paul said, great, write it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so stepping in that particular bear trap, you know, I said, okay, well, and I actually sat down and I wrote uh, uh, Secrets of the Wooden Door and uh, gave it to Patrick and he doctored the script and added to it and things like that. But uh, man, I, I, I won't open my mouth again because <laughs> that was that was a lot of work to write that thing. But boy, it sure was fun. And everybody in the business, we call it recording wild. So in other words, no two people were together when they uh, recorded. So everybody recorded separately, and then everybody sent all of the raw audio to Patrick. And Patrick, being the master editor that he is, uh, put all that stuff together into what you now hear as The Secrets of the Wooden Door. And if anyone hasn't heard that, what uh, what was that, about the third season of Window to the Magic? That was a long time ago. I don't know how long ago that was, but it it was a while ago, that's for sure. I think yep, I did. They did a sequel I, too. <laughs> I think I did all my uh, my recording on a reel to reel. That's how long ago it was. <laughs> That's that may not be an accurate statement, but it's funny. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, what was your favorite of the old radio dramas? Oh boy, you know that's that's a toughie. You know, it all depends on whether you're going for comedy. The Jack Benny program I loved for comedies because it was just so loose and fun. And the 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 odd thing is, as they used to say about Jack, his funniest stuff was when he was silent. <laughs> it was his pauses. Uh, yeah. You know, somebody would say something and he'd just have this wonderful pause. It, it was great. Um, 
uh, Inner Sanctum and Ooh, yeah. uh, um, Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, Bob Bailey uh, was so fantastic in that role uh, as Johnny Dollar. Um, Paul Fries, of course, did a lot of work, uh, Inner Sanctum and, well, mm-hmm. everything. Uh, Gunsmoke, you know, one of the great Westerns on radio. And I think if you ever wanted to hear one of the most realistic uh, shows, not necessarily realistic in story, but the most uh, natural human conversation performance, listen to Dragnet, strangely enough. Uh, They were just so... They were so... uh, um, organic in what they did. Uh, you know, Jack Webb, you know, every once in a while, somebody would say something and go, I'm sorry, what? And have them repeat it. Not because his it, it was important to the story that his character didn't hear what was going on, just because that's what people do sometimes. They don't hear what you're saying. And it just yeah. made it such a realistic sound to the show. Yeah, and even opening the show and they're having some ridiculous kind of oddball conversation. That- right, about <laughs> some non-sequitur sort of, you know, oh, you know, do you see the kids playing baseball? Yeah, great. Oh, we got a call. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, I still have a copy I got from the library. My favorite episode of Dragnet was a Christmas episode where mm-hmm. they, they were looking around where somebody had stole the statue of the baby Jesus from a, a, That's a Mexican right. mission. That's right. Oh, Absolutely true. First yeah. time I heard it, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so, yes, I, I love old radio drama, Jack Benny. Uh, you bet, yeah. Fibber McGee and Molly, one oh, of my favorites good Lord. as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, with the Which closet. Is- yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, the closet. <laughs> and that's probably also why I'm a fan of Disney Indiana, because Scott and Tracy really do remind me of Fibber McGee and Molly. <laughs> oh, really? Fan- that's good. Good, good. That's uh, that's a good thing to be reminded of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's uh, radio dramas, probably what got me interested. And, in, you know, if I ever do some voiceover, it'll be because of all the radio drama I've listened to. Well, and, and podcasts are a wonderful thing because it's almost a, 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 a rebirth of radio. Um, yeah. because they are purely audio and you have to fill in the blanks with your imagination. So it's, it's a, it's a great thing to see so many folks, uh, doing this stuff. Yeah. Which is why I hope no one ever actually sees a picture of me because I want their imaginations <laughs> to have this wonderful <laughs> image of me and then they get to see the real thing. It's going to be a, a real bummer. <laughs> yeah, the, the old joke is you have a face for radio. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I have told people that because yes, I'm, actually, I'm actually getting my degree right now in digital media production and audio plus live studio and remote. So, oh, bravo. Congratulations. Uh, so I was like, see, I will. I want to be on air, but I'm not going to be on the camera. I will be there behind the mic somewhere. It's. So. Ju- uh, I think it's just I it's more comfortable for me. I, I really don't have an interest in doing on camera or stage. Luckily, I don't think anybody wants me to. Uh, so that worked out. Oh, but well, but you have a great handlebar mustache. I've seen in some photos. Uh, well, it's not quite handlebar, but it's yeah, it's it's a little out of control sometimes. Um, uh, students, because I teach over at Voice Tracks now, and students will ask, you know, which is more difficult, uh, on camera, on stage, or voiceover, and not to be, you know, not to um, sidestep the issue or give a political answer. But it's true. Both of them have their difficulties and their benefits. If you think about on camera, 
the difference between that and voiceover is that the actor gets to use facial expressions. The actor right. gets to use uh, props and the other actors in the scene and blocking and looking at the camera angles and things like that. All of those things are available to the actor to convey the emotion of the scene, which, of course, is the job of the actor. Um, in voiceover... Uh, we only have our voice to convey the emotion. However, we don't have to deal with all that other garbage, right? You don't have to worry <laughs> about your blocking. You don't have to worry about the props. You don't have to worry about these things. So you it's just a, have to worry about blowing your voice out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's a trade-off, you know. And and I, I, especially on hot summer days when I uh, walk into a nice, cool recording studio and sit there for a couple of hours and do my job. I definitely appreciate voiceover more than standing out in a hot set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely some benefits. Yeah, Although I have sure. been seeing uh, with with a lot of video games these days, they're actually having the, the voice performers actually act it out a little bit with some motion capture. Right. Uh, have you that, have you looked into doing that at any time? I haven't. Uh, I haven't been assigned to any projects where that's necessary. Uh, so it is becoming, uh, you know, part of uh, the skill set now. Is where you know you're you're all um, strapped into that uh, electronic gizmo. There, uh, I'm I'm pretty much a caveman when it comes to technology. But anyway, <laughs> uh, which is why a, a good audio engineer is always the most wonderful thing in the world for me. They push the buttons and I stay on my side of the glass. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you've got the the motion capture suit with all the dots on it and everything. Mm -hmm. So you're doing you're basically doing a full performance now you are an on-camera actor actually uh it's just you don't end up uh uh physically you know because they're probably going to replace you with some other face or another creature or something like that yeah you suddenly become a lot better looking than you really are yeah right that is uh, one of the benefits of it could you shave a I'm couple not... of pounds off of me in a couple of right. years I'm not naming any names, but Uncharted, holy cow, the guy who's the voice of the he's got a great voice, but compared to what he looks like on the game, compared to when you see the regular guy, big difference. Hey, the magic of Hollywood right there. There yep. you go. <laughs> it's such a great character to get because it's a nice recurring character. He's very Indiana Jones-like. I mean, that guy is just, sure. you got to be rolling and having a great time with that. Yeah, yeah. It's always nice when you get those reoccurring gigs, to be sure. Mm-hmm. Which apparently you had a recurring gig with uh, something called League of Legends, which I ashamedly have not played yet. That's not okay. Yet I'm going to check no, it out. That's quite all right. <laughs> uh, yeah, League of Legends was um, seven or eight years ago. I think we recorded that. Uh, initially recorded it, and I believe it's still the number one game in the world. It's uh, just an amazing following. The summoners, as they are called, the folks that play the game. Um, have really embraced it and are uh, wonderful fans, very accommodating, very hospitable uh, when we go to the conventions and things like that. Always have questions that I don't necessarily have the answers to, but <laughs> I do what I can. <clears throat> yeah, and apparently they just changed one of your characters and killed the other one in a video you posted on Facebook. That was uh, that was a very fun uh, bit of um, happenstance. So the character is uh, Warwick, and I voiced Warwick originally for the game, and that ran for about eight years. And as things go, it always you know you always want to make sure that your characters are fresh and. And uh, sometimes you reinvent them, you rework them, both both physically and vocally. 
And I certainly have been replaced on projects before, and I certainly have been brought in to replace other people on projects before. It's just, it's just part of the business. Yeah. And you don't take it personally because it's the character that is the important, uh, part of the puzzle, not, not the actor. Whatever is best for the character is what you have to do. So yeah, they, they reworked, uh, Warwick, reimagined him, uh, physically and, and vocally. Uh, got a new actor in to do uh, his voice, um, and then they uh, they planned a, a short uh, promo for to introduce the new Warwick, and they brought me in to voice one of the characters in that promo, and that character ends up getting killed by <laughs> Warwick. So I thought it was very poetic that. <laughs> The character I was voicing got care- got killed by the character that I used to voice. So it was all <laughs> all very cosmic and uh, and interesting and, you know. Somebody had to be sitting there going, ha, 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 we know exactly why we're going to do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was funny. Oh, yes. Uh, and you've also, speaking of funny, uh, I, don't, I don't remember if it was one of the ones that even they aired la- this year, but I remember last year, and I'm talking 2015, uh, you were the voice of, uh, I believe, the Bumble in some commercials from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? Yeah, that uh, that came about. I've, I've, I've done Bumble's quote-unquote voice uh, from the old Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer uh, specials for six or seven years now. Um, and it started with a ad for... I think it was for Bing. Uh, and, um, well, actually going going back even further than that, uh, Aflac, I think, kind of started the whole thing. They did a uh, TV commercial that was based on Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the old Rankin-Bass mm-hmm. um, TV specials. And there's a studio up in Portland, Oregon called Bent Image Labs. Is that? Yeah, Bent Image. That's right. Bent Image Labs. And they have recreate so perfectly the look and feel of those old specials. They do the stop motion and, and they, they produce and film all of the spots. So I was brought in to match the voice of uh, Donner, I think it was, one of the <laughs> reindeer. Uh, so we did that, and that ran for a couple of seasons. Uh, and then uh, Bing did one with Bent Image Labs. And I think they just brought me in and asked me, hey, you know, you've kind of got, you know, a, a lower-end voice. Can you, you know, do the growls and stuff like that? We need somebody to voice the growls of Bumble, the snowman. <laughs> I said, sure, you know, we'll give it a try. We, we worked on it. We got it. And then from that, there were three or four other projects uh, where they needed Bumble to, to growl and do all that stuff. The original, uh, in the original TV show, I think they used, um, the growl of a bear and they, they manipulated it and added some things to it and so on. But, uh, this needed to be more expressive because Bumble needed to, uh, you know, respond to something that was going on. So they needed something more than just a, a guttural growl. So they needed to somebody somebody to act, but only growl. So it was it was a fun exercise. And then uh, iWorks, the iWorks company, uh, did a 4D uh, experience uh, based on Rudolph as well. So I got to do Bumble for that uh, this year. So yeah, Bumble's been a fun character. 
<laughs> Even at Christmas, you get to be a monster because you like scary things. That's right. Yeah, precisely. <laughs> yeah. Have you gotten the opportunity to do anything in a Disney park yet? Uh, I've I've done announcing at a couple of you know fan uh, events at the park. We did one a long time ago at the Blue Bayou, and then we did another couple over at the Disneyland Hotel. Um, years and years and years ago, I was the uh, voicemail greetings at the Disney Gallery and the Disney Anna's Shop on Main Street. Cool. Um, and then uh, I do the announcing at uh, the Carrollwood Pacific uh, Historical Society up at Griffith Park at Walt's Barn. Uh, so when you're at Walt's Barn, uh, you'll hear me over the PA system there. Um, and then I did a video game with Disney a couple of years ago, uh, Disney's Hidden Worlds. I did uh, several characters in that. I don't think I've heard of that one. I'm gonna have to look it up now. Yeah, in a uh, at a computer near you, <laughs> right? Which uh, a lot of games I think that you've done are, are like PC ones. I th- I saw a few on there that I recognize from console. Like uh, I did see you've done like two seasons of the the I believe Telltale Games has been making Walking Dead games. Right, Walking Dead, absolutely. Yeah. Which I remember, I uh, I had like a free rental thing, and I was like, let me just see. I've never watched any of the Walking Dead. I'm not really into the zombie thing as much as ever the people are. Sure. So. Uh, I only like certain horror movies. Like I like old classic horror movies, you know, like some old Vincent Price stuff, stuff like oh, that. But anyway, good stuff. I, yeah, I digress. But uh, so I remember renting that to say, well, let me just try this game out, and it was the most depressing experience I ever had <laughs> in my life. Every time it offered me a choice, somebody had to die. I'm like, is this what the TV shows like? Because like everything right. they do, somebody's going to get killed. So I I couldn't finish it. I was like, oh, I can't. You know, I'm used to like you know Resident Evil games where. I have a chance to survive or, you know, other games where you can, everybody can live by the end and having to where I couldn't, you know, whoever I chose to save, the other one was dead. I couldn't manage to, because I was logicing in my head, oh, if I save this person, that'll be easy. I can still reach over and manage to rescue this person too, sure. but no, not given that option. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that was Telltale Games and that was a very interesting uh, experience. Uh, Telltale started out, you know, with a handful of guys uh, up here in uh, Pet, or, um, I'm sorry, uh, San Rafael, I think they're based in, and they just had this little storefront. Uh, it was a like used to be a delicatessen or something like that. I don't know what it was, but it was way back, and it was these wonderfully brilliant uh, folks. And I think the first game that they did was based on the old Bone comics, uh, out from Boneville and those things. Mm-hmm. I never did read the. Well, yeah, I might, I might have great, one somewhere. The other one was the Great Cow Race, the the Bone series. So uh, I worked with them uh, from the start. So we did uh, great. Uh, we did the Bone series. Then we did Sam and Max, uh, another comic uh, series, and then uh, Tales of Monkey Island was another. I think there were a couple in between there, and then they came upon Walking Dead, and. What happened was, is they, you know, from the technical end, they developed some sort of program where whatever choices you make, they follow you through the game. Mm -hmm. So if you are deceitful early on in the game with the other characters, the characters will remember the fact that you lied later on in the game and they may not trust you. So it was really an interesting... uh, uh, added uh, 
level to playing the video game. It's not just grab the big gun and annihilate the aliens, which, of course, is a lot of fun. And I've done several of those games, to be sure. (laughs) But now it's, okay, you're going to do that. There's going to be consequences later on for it. So it was really interesting. And it made it more of a story-based experience, which is always good news for the voice actors because if it's a story, there's going to be dialogue. And if there's dialogue, you need the voice actors. And that thing went on to win, I think, 90-something Game of the Year awards. Wow. It just was a huge hit for them, and rightfully so. Uh, So it was really a a unique experience to work on something that was so heavily based in story. Oh, yeah. So a wonderful experience. And uh, uh, their follow-up to that was The Wolf Among Us. I did a couple of characters in that, or or just, just one character in that. Yeah, that's on my list of must-plays because I, I haven't played it yet, but I've heard so many good things about it. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to sit on that eventually. Yeah, yeah. It, it's wonderful to see, uh, you know, the, the players getting so emotionally attached to the game because that's when you know everything is firing on all cylinders. The, mm-hmm. You know, the writing is there and the producing is there and the, 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 the design and all of it because there's so many uh, people that go into making these games that all of it has to be just right for it to be such a hit. Yeah, they're almost like 20-hour movies anymore. That's exactly, yeah. <laughs> and you are actually you're you're immersed in the film instead of being a passive witness to it, you're now an active participant. Yeah, and they've become with 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 some stories that they have in games where your choices do make a difference. It really affects how I play it because I mean, some people, you know, I guess they're more of a complete gamist and they want to go and say, well, if I do all the good choices, let's do that. Then let's do all the bad choices and let's do a mix. I have a hard time doing that. You know, I I always have to make the good choice because I I just because of story and the way I am, I can't make the bad choice. Like in Bioshock, I can never harvest the little girl. I have to rescue her. (laughs) Well, it just makes you a wonderful guy then. Yeah, it, yeah, but the payoff was so great. Bioshock may be one of the first games that the ending, because I chose to rescue all the girls, and it has this wonderful ending where you, you get to take the little girls back to the surface, and you've raised them as daughters, and they become your family, and mm-hmm. there's this wonderful scenes where you're, that you can see your, your hand as an old man on your deathbed, and all these you know yeah. young women's hands come around yours. Oh my gosh, I was nearly in tears. <laughs> That's true. And, and like, oh. it's, it's, it's interesting if you boil it down, because what that is is that's a bunch of ones and zeros in a computer doing what it is they're programmed to do. And yet, it gives you such an amazing emotional reaction. So that's just kudos to the artists and the writers and everybody that's attached to that thing to be able to make this very cold data something that uh, brings about such a wonderful emotional reaction. So that's 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 good stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's why we really love voice actors doing video games because it's like oh, because <laughs> for years you know in the eighties we'd play our Nintendo and Mario never spoke. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah. But, right. And now we get such stories and we have actors and yeah. just production. And now it's you know I I don't I don't play games for the challenge. I play games for the story, and I just sit Absolutely. there and enjoy it. Yeah. And that's to me that brings the replay value just as much as I'll pop that DVD and I'll watch that movie five hundred times. I'll play that game again and again because the story was so engrossing yeah. that I just have to play it again mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that makes me i guess not a real gamer maybe a casual gamer but i enjoy i want to be entertained and well your stories and- 
you're definitely more of a gamer than I am. Uh, truth be told, uh, you know, it's a good thing that I get paid to voice characters in games instead of play them. Because if that was the case, I'd probably be living in a cardboard box somewhere. Um, <laughs> but when we did, when we wrapped uh, The Walking Dead, they got all the voice actors together to do kind of a promotional thing. And, and uh, they had us play the game while our characters were, you know, currently in the scene. And they handed me that controller, and I have to admit, that was the first time I had a game controller in my hand since Atari came out. Oh, wow. So I have no idea how to play these games or to operate them or anything like that. But, man, I sure enjoy being part of the development of them, that's for sure. Yeah, you you get to help bring the story to life. Yeah, and it's it you know it's something I always try and be careful about when I'm talking about the characters. I never want to say I played that character or I was that character. I always try and say I voiced that character because of the fact that there are in so many talented artists and and craftsmen that go into bringing those characters to life. Yes, I provide the vocal life of the character, but Without the writer, what am I going to say? Without the director, how am I going to say it? Without the artist, there's no character to even look at. So, so many people and programmers and, you know, all the way down the line that, uh, that character is the, is the product of many, many talented folks. Mm-hmm. And the other weird thing I can say about video games is, you know, I'm I'm not a big horror fan. I don't mm-hmm. go out to horror movies in general, but yet I can play some scary games and enjoy the dickens <laughs> out of them. And I think it's because I feel like I have some control. Sure, there you I go. I can make yeah. the decisions. And when you watch a movie and you're like, you're watching, it's like, don't do that. Don't, you know, with the yeah. old joke, don't go down to the basement by yourself. What of are you course. thinking? Right, right. I have control and I don't do those things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except for the next item is down there. So dang it, now I have to go down there, but at least I can fight back. Mm-hmm. And you can pause it anytime you want if it's getting too uh, getting too intense for you. Right. Like yeah. I remember the, there's old game Silent Hill. I was I think the first mm-hmm. one that really mm-hmm. startled the dickens out of me because they got so clever as to throw sounds behind you. Right. Sure. And so you're looking around the room where you're trying to play. Like, what in the world was that? And then That's you realize just it's the mean. game. Yeah. Right. right. Oh. So it's like, yeah, I don't do scary movies, but I love a scary game. Fantastic. It's but you love scary so- stuff so much, and we have to get into this, because uh, every year you put up these great photos yeah. that you completely haunt your house, which I first learned of, I think, uh, Window to the Magic. Paul actually took a, a camera into uh, your house one right. time and showed right. the entire setup. And I was like, this is amazing! Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, Halloween has always been uh, kind of the holiday uh, for my family. It was my dad's favorite uh, holiday. And as a kid, uh, going trick-or-treating in the neighborhood... Um, there was, a, there was a house on the corner that kind of went above and beyond the, uh, the standard Halloween decorations. And I remember, if I remember correctly, they, you'd uh, ring the doorbell, the door would open, and there'd be a rocking chair with like a, you know, an old grandma-looking figure in it. And there, you know, the guy would just be basically behind it on his knees, rocking the chair back and forth. <laughs> it was very low-tech, but, you know, as a five-year-old, it had a great impact. So... As we got older, my brothers and I, we said, you know what? We could, we could probably do something just as good, if not better. And, uh, probably starting around 12 or so, we, we stayed at home. We didn't go trick or treating. We stayed at home and, uh, and spooked up our house. And of course, like everybody of that particular era, you had the, uh, the record player in the window playing chilling, thrilling sounds of the haunted mansion, right? Ah, but the question is now, which one did you have? Because that, that's true. Yeah, there were several different versions. That's that's true. And 
you know, for years I didn't realize there was the Haunted Mansion-based one because we had had the one with the, the painting of the, like, the graves, and I, I think there's a right. crow on the cover. Right, right. And that We had that one. And used, boy, my mom would play that one and scare me to death. <laughs> that was some, there was some great voice talents on that and some fantastic sound design on it. Oh, my sure. goodness. It's one of the things that's so scary, you're, you can't believe Disney even made that one, too. Yeah, those uh, those shrieking ghosts and the, the laughing ghosts were really pretty scary. Mm-hmm. You know, you play those in the right environment, holy smokes, those will scare the bejesus out of you. <laughs> yeah, and funny enough, even though I was terrified of it when I was a kid, I have a copy of that record, as well as having the uh, the original one that was promotion for the Haunted Mansion. Oh, fantastic. Good stuff. <laughs> So like, yay! You can hear the difference between you know. But of course, you, you still got to love the woman who sets everything up in the original. But compared to the scare level, it's completely different. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. But anyways, continue. <laughs> uh, so we did that at you know at my folks' house when I was still living there, and then when I moved out, uh, you know, when I, w- I wasn't living in an apartment, you know, because it's hard to do when you're living in an apartment. Uh, when I finally got uh, a house of my own, I started. Um, doing my own uh, trick-or-treat event, you know, for the for the neighborhood. And it started where, you know, we would just do the front yard and, you know, the front of the house and the candy would be given out at the front door. And then that uh, kind of extended into, okay, why don't we bring everybody into the house and go through the house and then out the back door and through the backyard and down the side yard. So that's what it is currently. They, they actually come through uh, the house and uh, around the backyard and there's a theme to it and all kinds of crazy things. And we've gotten up to uh, this, or I should say last year was uh, 609 trick or treaters last year. Wow. <laughs> so it's, and it's, it's all just word of mouth. We've never done any advertising or anything like that. Good people tell other good people never had a problem. Everything runs smoothly. Yeah, and from what I saw with the old Paul Berry video is you had a story that was kind of going along with everything, so it's creative. Yeah, that was at my uh, my previous house. Uh, I moved into my current house about three years ago, and uh, it's it's we always try and give it, you know, stealing directly from Disney, of course, because they're the masters at it. Right. <laughs> Instead of just a ride, it's an attraction, and that's the difference between it. You know, a ride is something you strap yourself onto and you go around and you do this and that. An attraction. Is, is an immersive thing and it has a story behind it. So we're always trying to try to pick a theme or pick a story that the, the visitors can follow uh, every year. And it just adds to the, um, the enjoyment of it. Yeah, and it looks to me like you're not trying to go with the cheap gross-out effects. You're just generally making spooky and fun things to see and do. That's I, I've always followed the Hitchcock philosophy when it comes to that stuff. Um People know what scare them far more than I do. <laughs> so what I want to do is I just want to give them kind of a, a blank canvas. You know, the, the, I used to tell people, if, if I want to scare you and I've got this long hallway and you have to start at point A and you have to go to point B and you have to walk down the hallway by yourself, what's the number one thing that I can do that will scare you? And the answer is nothing. <laughs> Don't do anything. Except for, you know, lighting, perhaps a little bit of atmospheric music or something like that. Because what's going to happen is if halfway down the hallway you have somebody jump out and say, boo, well, that just releases their tension. There it is. Boo. It's over and done with. 
if I don't do anything, by the time you reach point B, you're going to be a basket case, <laughs> right? Because the tension is constantly building. You're waiting for something to happen. And in those shadows and in those sounds, you're going to manifest all the stuff that scares you. So as far as I'm concerned, the best thing to do is give somebody a spooky environment and then let them fill in the blanks. Mm-hmm. Like maybe have that sound of a phone ringing at the end of the hall. So they're sure. focused on like, okay, Absolutely. I wonder what's on yeah. this. Yeah. And let me let me get over here and make sure nothing happens to me while I walk down the hall mm-hmm. as the light flickers. Right. Exactly. Oh, yes. Exactly. Yeah. Good quality stuff. That's what that is. Yep. We try. <laughs> Alrighty, so anything that you've got going on right now that uh, you're excited about? I think uh, I, last time I spoke to you on Facebook, you had, I think, SOCOM or, or uh, some sort of military shooter, I think, was coming out. Uh, and I guess, or maybe came out in November. Oh, that uh, that would have been Watch Dogs 2. Oh, Watch Dogs yeah, 2. Yeah, that's uh, from Ubisoft. And uh, you can hear me as uh, several of the, what we call NPCs, non-player characters. Uh, so as you go along, and, and the, the fun thing is, is that the game uh, this time is set in San Francisco. So you get to go around San Francisco and cause havoc and uh, raise hell and so on and so forth. And uh, <laughs> people walking down the street or if you go into a shop or something like that and interact with these people, I, I gave voice to a couple of those characters. So you can listen to me uh, uh, in that game, and just uh, before you uh, beat me up or uh, steal something from me, at least say hello. That's all I ask. <laughs> <laughs> and that is part of the fun of games now, is that having all the non-player characters uh, that, you know, you could be walking by some people and you have a conversation that's going on between two non-player characters that you can stop and listen or just keep walking and have exactly. a Exactly, yeah. And I that's, always like that. That's why there is just, I think that was eight different sessions with Ubisoft to record just my part. Wow. Uh, so yeah, these are just massive games. You can you know drive around or or uh, explore the entire Bay Area pretty much in this massive game. So you can think exponentially how many people uh, there are going to be that you're going to come across, and these dialogues and each each interaction has multiple possible outcomes. So you've got to record three or four different ways of doing it. So. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's always good news for my agent. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's busy for a little while. Let me exactly, go and do something exactly else. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, can people enroll and take a class on voice tracks online or anything like that? Or do they have to make sure they're in the area and show up for class? Uh, for voice tracks, that is a, an actual physical uh, school. Uh, so you have to be, uh, you have to be there in person for that. However, if you're not in the Bay area, uh, there is the GVAA, the Global Voice Acting Academy, which is an, which is a purely online uh, voice acting school, and I'm uh, part of the uh, the staff there as well. So I do teach some classes there. Uh, GlobalVoiceActing.com, I believe it is, and I'm going to get in big trouble if I got that wrong. Uh, <laughs> but it's the GVAA, the Global Voice Acting Academy. If you uh, put that into your Google Face thing whatever Twitter thingamadoodle there, whatever you people do, <laughs> whatever you kids do with that glowing box on your desk. Yeah. Well, out there on the internet. Right. Yeah. You'll be able with to find the Twitter it, no and the Facebook. All. Yeah. Yeah. Precisely. <laughs> so there's two options. If people are interested in it, uh, if they want to take a physical class, uh, voice tracks, if you're in the Bay area 
And if you want to learn uh, a little bit more about it online, the GVAA. Awesome. And if anybody wants to just check out things you're doing, I did find you that you had a website. And what is that website? BrianSummer.com. We had a huge marketing meeting to figure out that one. <laughs> Ooh. Now, the tricky part is it's summer with an O. That's right. It is the German spelling. S-O-M-M-E-R. Ah, indeed. Well, thanks for coming on the show this week. This was fun. It was absolutely my pleasure, Jeremy. Thank you for having me. And all of you who listen, for all the Disney podcasts you listen to, keep an ear, keep an ear open, because you probably have heard Brian on everything. Window of the Magic, you hear him every time. He talks about that this is brought by you. And I think all about the mouse, they use you as a regular. I mean, just everywhere. Indeed. <laughs> always happy to do it. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official lost boy or pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander. Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit Patreon.com slash NeverlandPodcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true.